0: Beyond Beauty, the Professional Beauty Association's podcast Mm -hmm. where we take a deeper look inside the minds and hearts the amazing artists in our professional beauty industry, and truly how you're making such a huge impact in the lives of so many. Our very special guest today is the one, the only Kia artistically Neil. Um, there's so many ways to introduce you. You are a licensed cosmetologist, an amazing colorist, a texture expert, and really an advocate and mover and shaker in the industry. Um, and I, I can't wait to have you here with us today to, to really dig in. So thank you so much for being here and being with us for our new podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Leslie. That was that was amazing. And I love the introduction, but I just want to thank you, first of all, for having me. Like, this is such a great uh, space to be in, to be able to share and just talk because I feel like, you know, PBA and I have such a great relationship. I'm just really looking forward to what's going to come up and come out.
0: Like yes, yes. <laughs> I know we were just saying, we're not sure what might come up or come out. And I I love that. I'm not sure. I'm just saying
1: buckle up because
0: it might be anything. It might be anything. So first of all, like, tell us how I, and I don't know if I've ever heard much of this story from you going back to the beginning, like how beauty, why beauty, what, what got you into this industry to begin with?
1: Leslie, I'm going to tell you, I, I, tell people all the time it's not the, the, the best or the, in the most interesting story um, how I got started because really I was not naturally inclined to do hair like I didn't think so like I was not the young lady with or the kid with the dolls that cut their hair and you know did all those things like I didn't do that I didn't my mother was a diva now let me say that my mother <laughs> was the hair and makeup guru and I think I sort of thought that was normal Mm-hmm. And people who didn't do that, I saw them as abnormal. I didn't see her as this grand existence in my life. So so being around beauty was sort of normal for me. But it wasn't something that I personally ingested. Like, I was a little bit more tomboyish, a little more lady. A little bit more shy. If you can... What? I, know, no. I was. I was not... No, nothing. People were shocked. Like, is that really your daughter? Like, because she was the... She is me, right? And Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, no, I don't want to, you know, I don't want, I didn't do any of that. So um, ultimately in high school, I think middle school, high school, I started playing around with some makeup and maybe playing in my friend's hair. But I actually went to to college first. I went to the University of South Carolina. And after two years, I just decided I didn't want to go anymore. And Mm -hmm. I came home and told my parents I wasn't going back to school. And you know what that looked like. So we can skip that part. (laughs) And so uh, a friend of mine was like, you should go to cosmetology school. And I was like, to do what? And she was like, to do hair. I was like, for who? She was like, for people. I was like, for For people? And she's like, yes, for money. And I was like, what would make you think I should go to cosmetology school? Because that was very left field for me. And she says, well, you know, you like hair and makeup, like you do a good job on your own and you'll tussle mine here and there. And I think you could, you know, you help me with my makeup. Okay. Eyeliner and lip gloss, lip liner. That's about the extent of it, I think. But in her mind, I guess she saw something I didn't see. So I played around with the idea and I went to my stylist and they said, if you're going to go, you got to go to the best cosmetology school around, which was Dudley Cosmetology University. Okay. And so at that time, that was the only black cosmetology school that was accredited and that um was considered almost on the lines of a college. And so we went there for basic and you had advanced training. It was really sort of the Vidal Sassoon of the of the Black community. And so I had to move, like move and go to Greensboro, North Carolina and get an apartment and wow. stay there. And so yeah, I mean that's how I ended up in cosmetology mm-hmm. school, but that was still no walk in the park because I sucked. I <laughs> up, you know, of course, I didn't have any experience, so I was horrible for the first months. I went through a, a, an enormous amount of an insane amount of mannequins because I was cutting them up wrong, and ultimately, I'll just say I pushed through and I worked really? hard, and they groomed me to be. By the time I got on the floor, I was a pretty good a pretty good stylist. They were able to pull up all that I didn't know was in me. And so the rest is just kind of history from
0: there. You've mentioned a couple times now, um, your friend and the, the instructors that you had at the school believing more in you than you did in yourself or pulling out of you things you didn't know you had. And I see that in you doing that for others now. So if you could talk about like how to, feeling that way and, and maybe getting that recognition from others and how that's kind of, translated into how you interact with other stylists today
1: great question so yeah I was kind of the underdog at school because like I said everybody else was you know they were pin curling finger waving up doing at the time that's what was really big yeah. they were doing I mean they were full-on stylists <laughs> they were doing <just laughs> a license and I was over there like you know every two rollers the first one's falling out like I, I couldn't get a roller set like <laughs> I remember one of my teachers, like, who told you to come here again?
0: Like, oh my gosh.
1: What what made you come to cosmetology school? This was in the beginning. And uh, yeah, I just, they were there for me. They allowed me to express that I knew that I was not good uh, in my motor skills. But I'll tell you what, Liz, I was very smart so the book work like i had like a a four point something gpa and so being in the honors program and uh being they couldn't tell me to go home like you, don't <laughs> put anybody, you could put them out for being like really bad all the way across the board and flunking out but i was not flunking out i just was not good mm-hmm. physically i was not good so with a little more work you know teachers stayed after Teachers came early, they stayed through their lunch, they they worked with me, they they helped me cultivate what I needed and just kept saying, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, you can do this. You're gonna have to work a lot harder because you're really behind. You know, yeah. you're you're behind. That's funny to think that you start cosmetology school behind, but you can be if you don't have the natural inclination mm-hmm. or if you have been practicing all this time to do that. So I do feel like as an underdog that has pulled up through the ranks and found my footing. I feel like when I do see the underdogs in the industry, like I'm always rooting for them and telling them, like, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard, because there are a lot of people mm. who I did go to school with that were great that may not be doing hair at all now or may not be doing it on the level that I'm doing it. So it's like you can, you can, you can, you can teach yourself anything. You can learn anything if you really want to. And that was the biggest thing. It's like when people say, well, I can't do that, you know, or I don't know how to do that, or I'm not good at that. One thing they instilled at me at Dudley's was I am, I can, I will. And I had to say that mm-hmm. every single day, like a mantra, like as soon as someone important walked in the room, we were like, I'm Danielle from Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm so and so from the Bahamas, and I'm so and so from Africa, because that's the type of environment we were in. People from, from all over were there, but they... Pulled out. This is when affirmations. I didn't know what affirmations yeah. was. I didn't realize that they were changing my mindset by mm. changing my speech about myself. And so for me, I kind of do the same thing for people. It's like, no, you can do it. You can. You can acquire a skill for anything if you really want to. And working hard is really the biggest part of the ingredient. So yeah, I do root for people and and try to support and offer ways to pour into their deficiencies and, you know, areas that they need help and just really assure them that you can have what you want. You can have what
0: you say and you can have what you want. Mm -hmm. And one of the areas I know is, is in the texture space. And when we very first met, whatever, however many years ago now that it was, um, you said something to me that really hit home for me and struck me And that. um, And you had said that the only places that were still segregated is in the church and in the salon. And that just really hit home for me because I had never thought about it that way. And um, and now all the work that you're doing to really help us heal the industry and bring us together because hair is fabric. And and in what you're just saying, everyone can learn how to do it, but we're still not teaching them. Um, where do we go with it? And I, this is a huge question and I we could talk for weeks on end about it, but um, we, where's the first step for someone watching that might be, not knowledgeable about different types of hair or textures or hasn't had the experience, what do they do? How do they get started? How do you get rid of the fear of it? And and where do we go?
1: Well, the first thing I would say for anybody looking to um, get into the texture space and really starting to diversify their spaces to work on being the diversity piece themselves. Mm -hmm. Like really starting with yourself, understanding why you're not diversified. Where is that fear coming from? Really digging up that rocky ground of why have we all individually allowed ourselves to be segregated in this space? Like what is your real fear? is it that you don't think you can learn is it that you feel that you would offend somebody is it that you're comfortable in the space that you are um what what is it but I, I always tell people like, really do the on your own personal work so that mm-hmm. everything and every effort that comes behind that can stick you got to find an anchor for something to attach itself to so and I say that because If you just start hiring folks or just putting people in your chair or just taking a lot of texture classes and now you just want to all of a sudden, everybody's welcome to my chair. If you don't understand the history behind that hair, if you don't understand the the history of that culture with those people, sometimes you can be no, you're going to be more harmful and you're not going to be able to create safer spaces for black and brown people or it, of any intersection, really, but more so black and brown people to be in your space. So I always tell them, please get a, get a coach, get into some classes, read some books, right? Align yourself with people that are in the journey with you. Uh, really get your personal heart straight first. Mm. And when you understand the history then you can understand your present and more importantly, where your future is and how you play into the next steps. So until we get all of that going, the conversation has to kind of stop right there because you can learn stuff all day long, but if but if you still have a harmful hand while you're trying to, trying to so you, I was saying something to someone the other day and I thought it was really, really good. I said, you know, people don't, and they don't, tend to be mean or intend to be harmful right. but they have to and they have to be intentional about not like you don't mean no harm but you don't mean to be good either like mm-hmm. you got to mean to be good does that make sense Yeah. because intention doesn't override impact so you got to understand that you not meaning to be harmful does not uh does not separate you from the harmony accountability that you have for causing that harm so i, I also people really start with yourself get a coach start learning about what true diversity and inclusiveness looks like and having that in your life
0: Mm
1: -hmm. taking that reflection and see how that plays out with you personally with your family with your immediate family with your extended family like how does that look in all the other areas of your life so i think taking accountability and taking insight of all of that first and then once you get into groups you can start to learn how to do these different, how to foster an inclusive space for your, for employees and for your team and for the clients that potentially may come into your salon. Like that's a, it's a journey. It's not mm-hmm. something just jump up and say, this is just going to happen tomorrow. So I'm sorry, but yeah,
0: it is a bit of a journey. No, for sure. And how, how do you think as an industry we get there or what? What is missing? I mean, I, I know there's a lot missing, but <laughs> what is well, still missing and how do we get there?
1: Well, I, to be honest with you, Leslie, I think we're moving. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, I don't think, you know, people aren't as authentic or as genuine about their intentions. I, I want to kind of disagree with that a little bit. I think we're moving because here's the thing someone asked me once, she said, do you think that the brands or, you know, people are really, really, um, Authentic, or that they are, are what? What was her direct question? She says, "Do you think that they have? What was the word she used? Uh, I think it was just authentic. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. It, but she says, Do you think that they're really authentic in their their quest for diversity?'" I said, "I don't need them to be authentic. I just need them to be intentional. I just need them to do Ooh. it. Like we'll figure the rest out along the way. Go ahead, open it up. <laughs> Let's make room, make space." Oh, right your wrongs you your heart will follow in a minute like do what's right and then your heart will follow because and that's why i say when people ask me what to do it really it should be change your heart and then change your mind but brands because they have such an overarching uh input over the industry uh brands and you know repost apps and uh you know Uh, publications uh, organizations like yourself you have a responsibility to start and lead from the top and sometimes we may not get to the very top where we change their whole mind but if we change what's happening then the trickle effect will happen so we're kind of working both ways we're kind of lighting the candle at both ends but i do believe we're moving progress is upon us it's, it's moving. I see more diversity. I see more people on the stages, more people getting opportunities, more jobs being had, more uh, black and brown faces at these tables, more intersections at these tables. I see more input being executed. Mm-hmm. Right? I see. I do see it. Like, is it perfect? No. Do we have a long way to go? Yes. But are we moving?
0: Absolutely. Awesome. What's keeping you inspired? What's keeping you going? I'm hoping that before
1: I close my eyes that we will be writing a history chapter and closing it mm. and moving on to the next. I'm working to actively work myself out of a job because I don't care to have to speak about diversity, inclusion, not one more day. And I will only... Not speak it in spaces where it's not needed, right? So mm-hmm. if diversity and inclusion already live there, there's no reason for me to be there. And at whatever point, I don't have a job, I can, I can ride this out and be like, I'm good, like
0: I am good. So, so if you weren't doing this now in beauty or what you're what you're doing now, what do you think you would be doing? Is there something else you think you would, or you can't imagine anything else? <laughs>
1: No, I can imagine other things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine being, you know, independently wealthy and sitting on a beach probably. Yeah, I, I
1: would think I would still be somewhere in the entrepreneurial space. Mm-hmm. I think I was always I was always into that. Ironically, my my uh college career was leaning into um, uh, journalism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Advertising and journalism. So I don't feel like I'm really that far from that anyway. Like, really? Like, I think it's kind of coming back. So I think it could have been something in that area. I think it still would have been something in the teaching arena, because I think that's where my skill set is. I don't say that I'm the best at doing something. I think, like, even in here, I never say I'm the best at doing color. I'm just, I'm great at facilitating and I'm great at interpreting information. That's what I named my first class, uh, Color Interpretations. Yeah, i like make it, it. Way you've never heard it before like something like that like that was my because i knew that i could take information and break it up and make it digestible mm-hmm. to, so that they could hear it and go i know i've heard this a million times but it's something about the way you said it this time mm-hmm. that made it click that is that is my superpower nothing else really like nothing else so wherever that would have been useful is where I would have been regardless and and you know what interior design ah. I like a good project I don't like to do it myself because I'm so busy now but <laughs> I, I, you can dream it home goods. I love a good home goods Marshall's TJ Maxx awesome. at home home sense run like I don't care where I'm at. I'm like, oh, there's a home. Because let's just stop. My husband's like, "What do we need?" I was like, "Do we ever need anything? Who cares? We, we're going." They don't yeah. understand
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> you're just walking through because it speaks to you. Like it'll tell yes. you what you need. Inspiration. Things will be like me, me, me. Right? Take me home. You know, you want to change that table. You know, you need a new lamp. This pillow. Yes. Yeah. So what what's your next big adventure? Do you have something on the horizon that you can share? I know some people I yeah, yeah, yeah. well, can't share it yet because it's in I my course like or okay.
1: Last week I wouldn't have. This week ah! I wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of my biggest passion projects for the past year has been launching the Texas versus Race Collaborative. So that wow. is now live. Uh, it is a an amazing space with collaborative artists and community, and so I feel like this is one of those spaces where we're going to be able to meet the needs of people, no matter what that need is. Because one, we're facilitating education about all the all the fabrics of hair, right? And so no matter what hue is you, there's going to be something beneficial for you in that particular uh, uh, library of work, right? But the but the beautiful thing about the collaborative is that It's going to be, I don't want to, I want to say like the way that we collaborate is through myself and my team, other great artists, but I'm especially proud about up and coming artists that are incredible behind the chair. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not all of them are black and brown, but the majority of them, we are, we are creating a space where they get to show their superpowers. And they get to flex all their muscles and show you what's really happening behind the chair. But we're actively onboarding coaches. But our up-and-coming artists, our black and brown artists, we're especially proud of. Um, they are contributing information to the collaborative. It feels much more like a community than it does just a click and click and learn, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, there's no, absolutely. Absolutely to speak to each other and to share information but another beautiful part is everybody gets buy-in into this one subscription-based module of information mm-hmm. but then there's this other reparational piece because we launched reparations a couple years ago back in 20 but we felt like once a year was not enough to pour in and make Effect uh, or affect change into the black community. So now we have a reparational division. So for every black person that joins the community itself, again, having access to this core, why uh, am uh, I stumbling over all my words? You know, they have that that core yep. library. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. Know what I'm trying to say. Give me a pass. And then, but the brands, the uh, some of our influencers and some of our independent artists, they have all given donated extra education just to help level the playing field for our Black artists. But we didn't stop there. So we have the CORE, we have the Reparations Division, but we also have the Anti-Racism Division. So for every non-Black person that joins, they have access to conversations, classes, um, blogs, uh, promptings, classes, all of that in the Anti-Racism work. And they have opportunities to really connect with coaches to help them on that journey that we talked about earlier during our time. But, and this is a place they can be like, you're learning this information, but you also have all of this access to people that can tell you the truth. And it's in a safe space where we feel that when you're there, we want to be able to talk to you. We really want you to be able to connect with someone like we have black anti-racism leaders, um, teachers and educators, but we also have non-Black people that are that are pouring in that are just sharing their journey and sharing mm-hmm. with you what they've gone through and giving you a chance to kind of have a place to land with someone that looks like you as well, not just one or the other. You know what I'm saying? So that's mm-hmm. what's creating the community feel. And I'm so excited about that, Leslie, mm-hmm. like
0: that. Congratulations.
1: Um, thank you so much. I'm so excited about it. I am really excited about it.
0: We'll have to do more with PBA, you know. Outside of yes. this, we we'll now we need yes. to focus on that too, which I'm putting a, a you know, a, a reminder in my my brain here. Yes. So sure I always, always like to finish up with, you know, one more question if you have it. Yeah. Um, if you have any other advice, like any other words of wisdom, advice that you would like to leave with with our our listeners, viewers, up-and-coming artists, those who might consider this industry but have been told it's not a viable career choice. We hear Um, it all.
1: (laughs) You know, I would say, and this is just going to toggle off of things that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. over the years, is just how influential the stylist is. When we say, um, you know, stylists change the world, I I really felt that in my bones with the inception of texture versus race. When we talked about um, why is it that the church and the salons are the only two institutions left to be overtly segregated. Right. And the reason why I keep saying that is because there's a likeness to the salon and the church. At any given time, we can make someone feel bigger than life. We yeah. can, they can walk in like, oh my God, my hair. Oh my, and leave out like floating and just feeling all the good, like that self-esteem is on like a thousand. Like you got to open up both your doors and let the heads out. Like, you know what I mean? Like that type of, of wonderful. And then we can, we can cut your bangs too short and keep you in the house for two or three weeks too. You know I mean? Oh God, my hair. I love, oh God, my hair. We can, you know what I mean? Like we have impact immediately. But we also have the ability, like the church, to to change how someone feels and sees themselves and other people. We set the precedent, right? When I tell people that the salons are segregated and and the clients take cues from the stylist. So if you create a a very exclusive experience where all they see is who they look like, then they grow to expect that from Mm -hmm. our industry. So it's important to know that you're not only changing the algorithm of how people see themselves, right? But you're changing how they see your own community in that space mm-hmm. through the lenses of your salon. So when your salon is, is diverse and you yourself, you may get some pushback, but I guarantee you set the seed. You, you go, Oh my God, Les, they have a lot of different people coming here these days. Like, yeah. And that should be the case everywhere. That mm-hmm. should be the, and we're learning how to with each other socially we're learning this is a great learning ground (laughs) like a training ground to learn how to deal with people in the streets like how do you treat people on the streets do you make assumptions do you have stereotypes about people that we need to now debunk i think that the salon should be directly responsible for helping people change and for helping people see from a broader lens and make their own decisions now I'm not saying we should be out here trying to change a made-up mind, but I'm saying if we're living from our own core truths and we create our own core values, that we have no choice but to affect the people that are directly in relation with us. And we get to choose what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So, everybody listening, on that note, be mindful of your impact. And your influence to everybody that comes in contact with you, what they take away from you, what they experience with you, is what they take away from you. And then that experience in toes is a domino effect. Right or wrong, good or bad, positive or negative, you choose. So that's
0: all Thank I you. I that I that's it. <laughs> the end, amazing. I, I, you know, I, like I said at the start, we could talk for days and weeks and, yeah. and forever, but I just appreciate the time that you gave us today can't wait to see you in you know not too long a time at the yeah in the spa expo and the texture versus race collaborative will be there live in person so oh my god yes i'm super excited Me. about that too yes 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 so and for thank everybody you
1: PBA for that yes well, thank, so, you, thank PBA. you i just have to say thank you for that you've been heavily um, supportive of the texture versus race movement and we appreciate that and we will we will forever have that relationship and that partnership as long as it's needed to to move this mission forward. So thank you so much for that.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for watching. We will see you again real soon.